Welcome to the Coach Cahill Show, an audio masterclass on how to move the needle on your performance and impact as an athlete, parent, or coach. Here's your host, Coach Cahill. How did football coaching find you? Simple answer. I found out I didn't want to be a lawyer. Um, you were a lawyer? <laughs> well, I chose Williams College yep. because um, academically, that's, you know, I didn't quite, I guess, make the cut for the Ivy League. So went the NESCAC route and learned about Williams pretty late in my process and um, thought I was going to be a lawyer. And so that had, uh, you know, my dad being one already, kind of following in my father's footsteps, sort of uh, promoted that path a little bit. And then after my freshman year of college, I you know, did an internship with one of my dad's uh, colleagues in the law world and, and knew that's not what I wanted to do after that summer. And um, it, it kind of crazy circumstances where Dick Farley, who's in you know, the College Football Hall of Fame, was our head coach at Williams. He retired. Um, a new defensive back coach was hired that was um, a Williams alum, youth, you know, young guy. And um, you know, kind of came in with all this fire and energy and was just a different approach to Coach Farley. And, you know, took time to, to show me some ropes. And I really got hooked into coaching after that first fall with um, Dan DeSenzo, who's now the head coach at Wesley. And um, I just knew after that fall, I wanted to be a football coach. And where, where was your first uh, coaching stint? And then how did you kind of find your way to Harvard? Yeah, so my first stint um, was – yeah, it's all based on connections. And, um, you know, I had sent some information to some other places where I, I had some people I knew um, just crossing paths to take some shots. And uh, Mike Whalen, who was the head coach at the time, put me in contact with Rich Manello and Jim Anderson, who were basically Rich Manello was the head coach at King's College in Division Three school in Pennsylvania. And Jim Anderson, um, you know, kind of Rich Manello and Mike Whalen GA together at Springfield. So I had a long connection and he's like, listen, if you think this coaching thing's for you, especially at the college level, this place is going to show you everything about it that's good, bad, and in between. And he, he wasn't kidding. Um, you know, my first year, our full-time coach quit. So <laughs> myself and the other intern, we're splitting special teams coordinator duties. We're coaching a position. We're on the road recruiting. We're, you know, helping – any way we can to do anything for this program that's really run by two people. That's it. And, you know, it really kind of showed me that, okay, I want to do this because this is pretty awesome um, way to make a career. And um, it's everything I hoped it would be and definitely had its challenges, but it was awesome. And then uh, in terms of the Harvard side, so um, it's funny, uh, Tony Reno was also a Kings college intern, Rich Manello and Jim Anderson. And so I was able that's, to. That's the Yale head coach? Yes. Okay. Um, and he actually happened to be at Harvard at one point, especially as coordinator defensive backs coach. And I was at you know, Springfield GA, worked at Yale camp when uh, Coach Reno was an assistant there in the Jackson Leckie. So just connections and connections working camps. And Coach Reno threw my name up for a job opening at Harvard. And, that's how I, I kind of got my uh, my foot in the door and Coach Murphy knew who I was because I was a Springfield GA and he's obviously a Springfield College alum himself. So um, a couple of different connections, got my foot in the door and the rest uh, kind of took care of itself. And I think for a lot of young coaches listening or maybe there's high school guys that want to make the jump to college or 
college guys who were thinking about coaching a little bit. Um, it, it seems like there's a, there's a ton of coaches, but the world is really small. Like everybody kind of knows somebody. And if they don't know that person, they know like three people who might know that person. Um, is it safe to say that most of the coaching moves are based off of more, not that it's like who, you know, because obviously you need to prove yourself and you need to show that you're a good coach and you're meritous and you work hard and you have results. Um, but it seems like the job application process is, is very fast as in like, Hey, I heard there's an opening here. I think you'd be great for it. Let me put you on a call with this guy. Is it, is that kind of more how it works rather than like sending in a resume and letters of recommendation and all that? For, for most jobs, especially from a position coach standpoint, I feel that way. Mm -hmm. I feel like that head coach, or if it's, a, it's not a non-coordinator title, that coordinator better know who you are. One of those two higher ups better know who you are and what you're about and, um, you know, what you've done on the, you know, in terms of today to make sure that you're a true candidate for that role. Um, sure. Otherwise, you probably don't have a shot. Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of head coaches, two in particular, strike me off the top of my head with Nick Saban and James Franklin say, I don't interview people. I know who I'm, I know guys I probably want to hire. And, there you go. I mean, two of the more successful college football coaches saying that kind of tells you, kind of lets you know what, what the world's all about is personal connection and having an understanding of who that person is, how he works, and how they're going to fit in the program. Sure. Well, as a head coach, being a coordinator. Do you have, and I think this is a, a good uh, kind of add on, a lot of recruiting for, a lot of the experience of recruiting is uncomfortable for young guys because it's the first time they have to meet and greet and shake hands. And sometimes it feels like you're speed dating and you're, you're trying to make connections with coaches and people who can say yes or no to you. And in the same way, you know, guys lower on the totem pole on a coaching staff, how do you build those connections? Well, it's the camps, it's, it's reaching out through Twitter. It's, it's all this stuff. Do you have any advice? I, we'll, we'll keep it with coaches for now and then we'll go into recruiting later, but do you have any like advice on how to grow and develop your coaching network when you are at one of those entry-level coaching positions like you did, are there any principles that you took out of those early years when you were grinding? Send emails. What, what the worst that can happen is they say no, or they don't answer. They just keep firing emails and make, you know, make sure you're asking the right question, right? They'll just say, Hey, I want to talk, right? Mm -hmm. Have some points of emphasis that you're looking to get answered to develop yourself. Right. So understanding your weaknesses we all have them and how we make those now strengths, right? How we're trying to get better and improve as individuals. So, you know, as a young coach, I'm trying to, you know, talk to this coach about program development because, you know, you read about this guy's culture and how strong it is and how he's able to relate his message and his philosophies to his players and assistant coaches. So that's what I want to hit you on culture. I want to hit you on how you've, you know, figured that out. How did you come across? Did you read books? Did you do your own research hitting other coaches up? Just, I want to know how you found your answers to establishing, creating culture, right? Or talking to the DC now, like, how are you building your week, right? How are you structuring? What assignments, how are you delegating to assistant coaches? How much are you chewing for yourself in terms of the true breakdown of film and opponent structure, right? You know, okay. You have all these, you have six GAs. Okay. Maybe he's not the guy to ask about that. 
based on where you're at. You know, I feel like sometimes you got to make sure you're asking people that are in similar situations. So that way it helps you grow as opposed to just trying to connect with a coach at X power five school where the setup's nowhere close to being the same. Sure. Right. So I think there's a lot of that, just making sure you're pointed with your questions and what you want to get accomplished when you reach out to a coach, because you're more likely to get a response. Sure. Yeah. I think if you're specific and you're earnest and you're genuine, that's going to give you a better response. than if it's just like, Hey, I managed to get the defense coordinator of Penn state on the phone and then you have no general outline. And then if you're a D three guy and the, the amount of support staff is just not even comparable between those two levels. Um, and I think a lot of, uh, well, it's easy to forget that how much coaching turnover or movement there is like, and this is, we can get into a little bit more recruiting here now, but like one of my pet peeves is if, a, if, a, if there's a kid who maybe is a higher level talent and he is putting off a D three school coach, cause he doesn't think he's going to go to that level. I'm like, dude, like this guy might be a D three coach today, but tomorrow he might be at your dream school. And like, it's funny, but usually like once or every couple of years that happens where like the guy that you ignored and you big timed is now the guy who can say yes or no to you at the school you really wanted to go to. Um, what is your biggest, what do you think is the biggest problem or issue in high school recruiting today? You know, off, just first thing that's in my head is lack of transparency, whether either side, either side. I think that's the biggest issue we face as college coaches and as young people. We're scared to tell people no. We're scared to tell people where they exactly stand in my process as a college coach with an individual student athlete or vice versa, right? I think that really has become the biggest problem in today's world. And it's okay to say no to people. It's okay. We've all been told no before. We'll all be told no in the future. And that will never stop. But it helps in the long run save a lot of people's time and energies and efforts. And, you know, when, you know, speaking from my standpoint in particular, when I kind of end a process with a student athlete, I say, hey, crazy things have happened. And I, I give a story of a young man that's actually part of Harvard football now. And I, communicated with him and his family that the process had ended in October that said, Hey, it doesn't look like it's going to happen, man. Like you need to explore your other opportunities. And you know, it just, it's the way the world works sometimes. And then in December, we lose a guy late and we're calling him and bring up an official visit with that following weekend. And it happened. So you can always pick the process back up. But I think to your point, it's, it's ended a certain way or establish communication of honestly the same coach. If I get this offer, I'm gone. Like, I think every kid and family should have an idea of what the dream school is and ranking certain opportunities versus others. I think that helps. And just like we're doing the same thing as coaches, we're ranking, okay, this guy's film is better than this guy's film, right? And going into it and say, hey, your film right now is the fifth best. Mm -hmm. And that's just film. Like, we don't know level of competition. It could be five different states, five different leagues. Just this film jumps out at us more, and all of a sudden we get those guys in a competitive situation, a live situation, like summer camps, or we watch combine film, and that fifth guy looks the best. Okay, you just moved up. Right. So I think as long as we can create some transparency, things are smooth. 
they, sure. they always will be smooth. Yeah, I, and I think um, Jeff Moore, he's out at Loomis, yep. really good recruiter and um, good coach. But he, he, you know, him and a lot of the coaches, actually every coach I've talked to has echoed the need for honesty or transparency. And it, you might hurt somebody's feelings up front, but that's going to be way smaller in magnitude compared to hurting somebody's feelings at the back end of things when they now have no options or significantly less options than if you had just done it in the first place. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I'll just to add on that, like, because I have a personal whatever thing about it is a high school coach involvement. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll talk to some high school coaches and say, I'm not involved in recruiting anymore. <laughs> Why? Why are you not involved? I'm calling you to get background on this kid. Why, why do you not know what's what? Oh, because of the Twitter world. I understand and appreciate that, that sometimes these offers don't mean anything and we're just – Schools are advertising on Twitter, but I think it's still helpful for high school coach to talk to it. And then high school, the other one, where the high school coach talks to the individual student athlete from high school and says, yeah, that college hasn't called me. And so therefore, I don't think he has an offer. I'm communicating that to my student athletes. Until a school calls me to say you have an offer and you can commit to it, you don't have an offer. Don't believe it. So I think there's some of that too, where the process college coaches get so infatuated with this Twitter communication and texting communication that we need the high school coach involved too, Mm -hmm. right? To help clear this process up because we get to a point and I'm recruiting against X schools. Like, okay, well, have they talked to your high school coach yet? And the kid says, I don't know. That's a problem in my mind from high school. Why haven't you talked to your high school? about these opportunities because he's got great insight he's your high school coach for a reason he should be a right. support for you to sift through this thing yeah yeah that for sure really kind of frustrated me in a couple of different ways just seeing it how it's worked out are, are you being just to clarify you're you're referring to the lack of involvement from high school coaches in the recruiting process not necessarily i mean some high school coaches are better than others that's oh, all totally. i'm saying there yep. And then just us as college coaches sometimes leaving up the high school. Yeah. I think we're cutting him out too. And that creates that frustration of a high school coach now. Sure. To say, you know what? <laughs> I'm good with this. I don't want yeah. to get involved anymore because Twitter has, has created a little bit of a monster. Yeah. Twitter, Twitter's like the greatest and worst thing that ever happened to mankind. Um, that's how we know each other, but it's also how like you sleep at, at night because of this recruiting nuttiness. And, and I, I do feel for the, the high school coaches because, you know, it's funny, like up here in the Northeast, like in Connecticut, there's like a, I think there's a misconception because I'll talk to some kids that I might work with and they're like, Oh, you know, the kids down in Texas and Florida and California, their, their head coaches get paid so much money. It's like, okay, maybe they make a little bit and football's bigger there, but they're not getting like $500,000 a year to to do recruiting like they're paid like a regular you know like a decent teacher salary and like they all choose to do recruiting on top of the the normal tasks of being a head coach and being a, a you know a teacher um and it is tough i mean it's you know like you i guess i hear from both sides you know you'll you'll hear parents and players say well you know high school coach doesn't do jack but they'll be glad to stand on the signing day picture and whatever and then on the other hand, you hear, oh, he does everything for the kids. And it's just kind of like what you said, there's there's a lack of consistency, I guess, across the board in high school football. Um, 
between head coaches who are actively doing recruiting by choice or coaches that are probably letting it fall to the wayside or thinking it's, it's just more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's both sides fault at the end of the sure. day. It really yeah. is between us as college coaches and, and high school coaches. And, you know, some of that staffing for them too. Like we went back about the college coach staffing stuff. Um, you know, sometimes high school coaches don't have the opportunity like some of these other programs around the country to hire a recruiting coordinator sure. who can send the emails on prospect lists and, you know, because there's a lot of high school coach turnover as much as there's the college level. You know, yeah. I mean, reading the scoop on high school coaches, it's it's tough, right? And, and so, you know, there, there's probably some of that contributing as well. Sure. sure. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it's interesting. I mean, you, you've seen it, it's more referees, it, like referees, youth coaches, high school coaches, even college coaches, you know, you hear the same line, stepping down to pursue other professional opportunities. And like, it kind of stinks because you think about like, I, I come from the teaching world. Like we make teachers pay almost a quarter million dollars in tuition, four years, teacher prep program, just to sit, to get certified, to pay another thousand bucks, to go student teach for three months for no money, just to, just to walk in the door and say like, Hey, please hire me. Whereas with coaching, you know, it's just like, Hey, who do you know? But we, we laud coaches as like these almost mythical mother father figure type people in young people's lives but we don't we don't treat the profession with the same level of structure or support that like other organizations get like teachers or your administration and, and whatnot so um amen yeah <laughs> sorry i got on my high horse there you got my teacher blood boiling but um <laughs> so, so let's let's go back to the kids here um and I think, uh, oh, I, sorry, one last question on coaching. And this, this still applies and maybe can help kids listening empathize with their high school coaches better. What do you, what do you think is the, the most common mistake that young first-time coaches make when they're trying to establish who they are in front of their players? That's a good question. I mean, for me, you know, I think it's, there is some trial and error involved. Right. I mean, trying to find your voice and, you know, ultimately becoming confident when you find your groove and you find your way to connect. I think there's always going to be some trial and error. Right. I mean, I think that's why, you know, myself as a coach, there is some thankfulness that COVID happened because I've been able to record my meetings now without having, you know, we don't have some of the support staff where we can set a camera and I can record my install meetings and go back and watch it. So I think, we can find ways for myself in particular, just how did I communicate this stuff? How can I do it better? So I think there's a confidence level that just takes time and there's always going to be butterflies. That's a good thing, right? Like there's a nervous excitedness about speaking in front of a group. You know, I think this opportunity to come back to Harvard, be the special teams coordinator, being able to talk to the whole team, right before a game or before whatever, there's always this nervousness, excitement. It's like as if I was playing the game and because this is, this is the moment, right? Lights are on. Like, and I think that's something I've always carried with me from my first day as a coach, being able to talk in front of players to, to now. And it's just continuing to improve on how to get my point across. So I think there's always just trial and error and eventually you find it. You get in a groove, you get confident, and you know the language you want to speak to convey your points. And I think it's 
that, that's just, I guess, my word of advice there to young coaches is just keep trying things and, you know, eventually you'll find what suits you and suits your personality and suits how to get what you want to say across to have maximum effect on play. Gotcha. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, just, it was funny. I, that, that, that totally resonates. I don't know if you watched, um, the la- last chance you basketball season, um, it was pretty good, but their, their coach is just basically, you know, echoed exactly what you say. You got to build relationships with guys. You got to understand how each guy ticks. Um, but I think that's good advice too. Cause I feel like you might see, we've all had that like first year JV high school football coach who just comes in screaming like he's <laughs> like a madman or like they try to do the Bill Belichick thing. And it's just like, you know, it's like kids can just see through that stuff so quickly, you know? Um, yeah. They know when you're being phony. Like, yeah, not, they know. They yeah. do. Totally. Um, what is music to your ears when you hear is, are, is, is there, are there like, one or two, I think when you talk to, uh, recruits and they're talking to, they're talking to college coaches, um, I think they forget sometimes to like ask good questions. Um, because I feel like they, like I had a kid the other day, who was going to talk to some bigger school that he really wanted to go to. He's like, coach, what do I say? It's like, he's crafting out a text message. Like he's trying to ask some girl out. I'm like, dude, it's just the person on the other end of the line. Like just ask good questions, be interested. Um, what are, good questions that you like to hear from players you are recruiting? Something that ties specifically into the school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from my standpoint, I do my best not to call, call a kid ever, ever. Like it could be the first time I'm talking to a kid in his family, it could be the fifth time. That individual and their family is going to know I'm calling or they're calling me at this time of day. Be prepared. Like, do some research. Like, you know, as a family or as a kid, some things that are important to you about choosing a school. Usually, like, you know, something that is going to excite you about what I'm saying. So do some research. Say, hey, coach, I'm really excited. You had this major. What, what's really the process to earn that major, earn that degree? Or, hey, coach, I was looking at, you know, some YouTube highlights of your season. You know, te- can you tell me about your game plan in this game? You know, whether offensively or defensively, and as a defensive coach, as an offensive player, ask me that. Like, well, that's a conversation for another day um, right. when you talk to an offensive coach. But I think that's really something that will always excite me talking to a young man and their family is that they've actually done some homework on the school. And it's not just all on me to tell them about this place and how we do this and how we do that. It's, it's just being prepared. Like we always talk about, I see on Twitter, this is an interview dressed for the occasion because it's Zoom now we can see you or you know how to present yourself. Well, be prepared, right? Mm-hmm. When I go into, or anyone goes into an interview for a job, we have some knowledge of that company, what they do well and you know X fact and X this and same thing when it goes into recruiting from a young person. You should know something about the school if you've agreed to accept a phone call or you've agreed to call that coach, you better know something because I think that does drain on, on me a little bit when they're just not prepared. And it's a bit, it's fine because we all got a lot going on these days. It's all different, but it's nice when one question at least pertains to something specific to Harvard, the school I represent. Sure. Now, is it a, 
is it a red flag for you if you hear like a parent dominating the conversation when you're trying to have a phone call with a, with a family? Um, I guess like the reason why I asked that is because the significant part of the listenership is parents. And I feel for parents and parents are in a tough spot because they, they know they want Johnny to feel like he's making his own decisions generally. Um, but they also know that he's Johnny and he's thinks he's an adult, but he's not quite an adult yet. So they're always like, should I step in or not? Um, what are some, I guess, what's your advice for parents on the recruiting process? How do they, how do they strike that fine line between being a supportive, uh, like a supporting actor in a play versus, you know, grabbing the mic and being the lead singer? I mean, from my perspective, I always try to have individual calls with young people first because I, I do, especially the school I represent, have an understanding that parents want to ask questions and want to talk, <laughs> yep, right? Totally. So I think as long as at some point they say, you know, I've answered this question, what do you think? This is how I see it as your parent, but how do you see this, mm-hmm. right? Especially if the coach is directing questions at them, um, you know, or they're responding to answers, you know, like mom asks a question, I answer it. Hey, hey, Johnny, how do you feel about that answer? Right. I think there's ways to tie in your child that makes it good, makes them feel included. And, you know, just as long as I think as parents, hey, be prepared for me to try to bring you into the conversation because it's not about us. It is about you. Right. We don't live there as parents as much as we might like to live in, you know, this place for four years. It's you living there. So, you know, I think that's a, a big part of just seeing some of the dynamics I've seen over the years. And I've seen some parents that are really good that do talk, especially in their first maybe parent meeting, but they do find a way to incorporate their child and say, okay, hey, you give some feedback because obviously that conversation, if the mom and dad are both talking and I'm talking, that kid's gone in 20 minutes. Maybe. That's probably a long shot. He's probably gone in 10 minutes. He's, he's tuned out and he's thinking about something else. Sure. So I think that's the most important part as a parent is just you got to be careful of having your son sit there through an entire conversation because he didn't hear anything, right? You're not, he's not engaged at all. And you've got, that's where, you know, as a coach, we got to do a good job to incorporate and make sure if we feel like things are, we're losing them just based on Zoom too, right? We can see him now. I can see when he's right. looking around the room and yep. getting distracted. So I think the best thing is just making sure that if you answer a question as a parent or you ask a question and the coach answers, just say, hey, how do you feel about that? Gotcha. Well, What's your thoughts on that? Is you, you know, that good for you, bad for you, whatever. Sure. It's, it's a tough duet, you know, and I think, but seeing how kids interact with their parents is very telling about the character of that kid and the dynamic of that kid. It was always a red flag in high school. If I saw the kid would be fine in, on spring practice or something, but I would hear if, you know, if, if you ever heard a kid, if I ever heard a kid cussing out his mom on the phone, oh man, you bet that kid's doing, you know, up downs and bear crawls in practice. And, you know, and I, I guess that brings to the next question. Like, do you have a, a story of maybe a recruit in, in the past, nothing relevant today, but in the past where you've had a kid you were excited about as a football player, but during the recruiting process, whether it was a visit or a phone call or a Zoom, they did something that was like such a red, fl- such a non-football red flag that you were like, I'm out. Oh yeah. 
official visit. Um, you know, kid, kid and his mom were out seeing uh, the school I was at, and kid never left his mom's side. And I, I don't know why that happened. I mean, he didn't sleep over with the players. He went back to the hotel room with the mom, and the cord just hadn't been cut. And I, <laughs> that to me was a huge red flag of saying this guy is not going to be who we want him to be in the program. And we need to, we need to get out of this or we need to not offer, you know, I'm not saying which side we went on, but we, we need to make sure that this guy goes somewhere else and we don't make the mistake of, you know, having him a part of our program because it's not going to work out. So I, I think that to me was a big red flag, just not seeing a young person engaged with our young people or other young people on that official visit. And he decided to hang with parents and coaches during the entire time and just go through the motions. Or the other story would be kid has his headphones on done kids eating, eating meals. I see headphones on and I, oh, it's over in my mind. Mm -hmm. That's not how you should represent yourself when a school paid money to fly you out to see their campus. If you were that disinterested, you shouldn't be here. Right. So you know, that those two things in my mind are both that happened and both guys not end up in the school I was at. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's especially the AirPod thing. I mean, coming from the high school world, it's like they're not even on 90% of the time. It's just like kids have this outward like body armor of Apple technology that like insulates them from the world. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, is, is what you're listening to that life changing where like you can never take these things out? Like, like I want to listen. Like, what do you listen to? Maybe it's like I need that, but um you know the, the, like there was another story of willie edwards one of the brown coaches he was recruiting a kid a couple of years ago they, they loved the kid he definitely was a higher caliber player but he was interested in their school kid pops on a zoom call in, in a tank top with his armpits hanging out on, and the head coach is like nope <laughs> yeah i mean that <laughs> i mean there, there, there's two ways to look at it. see being from the jersey shore i might appreciate that you know <laughs> uh, love the Jersey Shore, but yes, we go back to the word interview, right? I mean, sure, you haven't finished it until you're there, so mm -hmm. right, you haven't gotten the job yet, you haven't signed the contract yet, whatever you know phrase you want to use. Um, so I, I was just shocked by those two things myself, my own experience, this to see these young people scared of talking, scared of you know getting out of their own your own way or get out you know get out of their comfort zone to, to socialize connect network right sure. and you know that that's not what succeeds <laughs> at some of the places yeah yeah and it's almost like you know I, th I think especially too at the higher academic institutions again you, you have very well-meaning adults in these kids lives teachers parents administrators coaches whatever they 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 really want, they want their kid to be so successful so badly that the, largely these kids are just kind of plopped on a conveyor belt from K to 12. And then they kind of wake up the end of 12th grade and they're, they freak out because they've never had to make a real weighty decision on their own. Um, and it's almost like, I, I guess technology has something to do with it. I sound like an old millennial now, but you know, like we, we made all this technology and then got the Gen Zers addicted to it. Now we yelled at them about it and then we say it's their fault, but um, it, it is, it is telling when you walk through it, like if you walk through school 10 years ago, like kids were so much louder and extroverted and, you know, uh, today it's like, 
you almost have to like threaten kids with detention. Like, Hey, if you don't talk, if you don't engage, if you don't make eye contact, you know, then you're in trouble. Whereas like the problem 10 years ago was almost like too much engagement. Um, and that's, and something that's refreshing is that I see, I do see, you know, some of the areas I recruit kids actually work. They have jobs, they have part-time sure. jobs. And I, I think that in me, for me in this recruiting process today, I always appreciate that. Like that's the second thing that you say, what brings me to tears? I have a part-time job. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love hearing it because there, it shows they're not afraid of hard work. They're not afraid to get out and do something that is beyond, you know, their comfort zone. And that to me is, has been fun to hear. A lot of young people say that they're working for the money that they spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And um, so uh, next question, when you look at, um, you, you probably have thousands of messages in all your inboxes, DM boxes, collectively, you you get inundated with those messages. What's your advice? to? And I think kids understand that coaches are bombarded these days to an extent. Um, but the question I always get is, well, how do I stay persistent without being spammy? So what's, what's your advice on how to kind of draw that fine line between, you know, pushing for their own recruitment, but not being a pain? You know, from, from my standpoint, depending on where you're from, right, you're always trying to look on college coaches' website. I know sometimes this is time-consuming, but this is for the schools you're taking a shot at. Like, you really want to be at these schools well, then put a little extra time and say, okay, who's my area recruiter? Who's my position coach? Do they have a recruiting coordinator or director of player personnel is the other new title that, you know, kind of falls in line with this and email them, email them your huddle link, email them, you know, your names, a brief file. Don't make it a story. It, just make it, you know, basically 200 words or less, right? One paragraph and then have, you know, the information boom, 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 and boom, and bullet points. And then we can use that and come to the determination as college coaches and say, okay, is this is a guy for us. And if you don't get a response from us, I would say send the email one more time. If you don't get a response from us again as college coaches, probably explore somewhere else. Right. And you know what? Maybe then if you're looking at that school, okay, depending on the level of school, what camps are that school going to be at? So maybe I can still take my shot. Right. And maybe that's the follow up email. If you want to keep taking your shot, what hey, coach, I said you a while back, what camps are you guys going to be at? I want to be there. I want to show you that I can provide a positive you know, influence on your school and institution and your program. Right. And I think that gets a response usually. Right. Hey, well, here's our camp schedule. We plan on being in these camps. And you keep hitting the same people, recruiting, you know, recruiting coach in terms of area recruitment. If that's how a school breaks it down, position coach and director of recruiting. I think that's always a good thing to do as we approach now. It's finally getting back to a summer process that has some normality to it and allows us as coaches to travel and see some kids. So I think that would be a way to at least give yourself a true shot to be seen, be noticed. And, you know, coach sees your name on the the camper list. Okay, this kid emailed me. He's going to be here. Maybe I'll highlight him just to make sure I check him out and, and see, you know, what his deal really is after you know, watching the film. Gotcha. Um, we're coming up on time in about 10 minutes. I just want to be respectful of your time. You're super busy. Get you back to your family. Um, and what would be one piece of advice you would give to a class of 2021 
or class of 2022 if they didn't get junior or senior game tape. <laughs> you become your, become your, you know, become your own agent. You yeah. gotta be your best marketer. You gotta be your best salesman. And that is a positive Twitter, right? You can post workouts. You can, you can do combine drills. You can do position drills. You can have this all filmed. Everything that this camp process is going to bring back for your individual recruitment can be done through that. So if you miss junior year film or you had a spring short season where you're playing, so I talked to you know man who played baseball, basketball, and football in the spring, and you didn't feel like you were state was that North Carolina. Oh geez. You didn't really get a feel like you put your best foot forward, right? Well, okay, train for two weeks and now you have control of it. Just like Huddle, you can clip your highlight film, clip your workouts, put your best stuff on there and be diverse. Don't make a 10-minute workout, right? Just like your highlights, be short, get to the point, show us good things. Show us who you are, right? right. That's a bottom line. Show us who you are as receiver. Show us running, you know, different route concepts, over depth, catching deep balls, catching high point balls, right? All these things that we're going to see in camp anyway, but maybe trying to get us excited that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it's if you've had communication with a coach, you, you know, in, in my mind, I, I don't mind when a kid tags me or DMs me. Either which way is fine. Like, I'll, I'm going to watch it. It might not be <laughs> – that day might not be that hour. It might take me two days, but I'm going to watch it. We'll get back to you. Say, hey, this is good. Send me more. Or, right. you know, hey, let's set up a conversation and say, we'll probably go in a different direction. Dude. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I think it's, it, listen, no matter how, how you look at it, there's going to be some ripple effects from COVID. Next couple of graduating classes is what, it, especially in conferences that have roster caps on them. Um, it, and it is what it is. And, I think you can get mopey about it or you can get proactive about it, but, but either way, the clock's ticking on your recruiting. Um, next question. Do you have any book recommendations? So I always carry this book with me. It's called mind. It's mindset. I believe mindset. Talks okay. Mindset talks about growth and fixed mindsets. It was, uh, Carol Dweck. I'm sorry. Is that Carol Dweck? Yes. Okay. Stanford professor. Yep. Also at Columbia. Yep. Yep. So I love that book. Love it. It, it changed a lot of the, my approaches to certain things and how I motivate our student athletes and try to get them out of their comfort zone. Right. It always talks about the fear of failure. And for me, especially being a defensive back coach, practice is all about failure, but you better learn from it. Right. So we sure. get better, put ourselves in different positions that are not easily winnable. And now how do we come out on top in those situations? Mm -hmm. so always trying new things and getting outside your comfort zone. So for me, that book is awesome. Awesome for any athlete to read because if you really read it, it, it it's going to help you. It's going to help you in anything you do. Gotcha. Mindset by Carol Dweck. Any other books? Uh, probably, you know, stereotypical. Jocko, Extreme Ownership. I always appreciated that one. Yep. That's another one that is kind of always on my person. That he's, I got a, he's got a great, great audio voice book. He, it sounds a lot better with his like gravelly and a hardcore voice on Audible, but I love that book too. Yeah. So I, I, my next thing is a John Gore 
Woods. I haven't really, I know I follow him on Twitter. I follow him on Instagram and he's really good with some of the stuff he just says in those snippets. So I, I know some of those books. Now he's got a new one with Coach Flex. So mm-hmm. um, I, I know a lot of coaches who read him. Gotcha. Pretty good. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I Very few coaches reach a high level that, that I've known anyway, who aren't like avid readers or have some type of reading habit, you know, like, it, it just seems like, you know, you, it seems like a lot of coaching professional development is like self-driven, you know, there, there's online clinics and like Keith Grabowski does an awesome job with, um, you know, his podcast, obviously. And, um, but it seems like it, at least in the coaching community, everybody knows how like strapped for time everybody is. So like most of the college coaches I've met are like super helpful to each other. Um, would you say that's a, a fair assessment? Yeah. I mean, some of the guys I'm fortunate enough to know, they'll, they'll, whether it's right away, right away or not, depending on the time of year, they get back and call. Mm-hmm. And I think that's always the fun thing about this profession is that there are people who will always get back to you and talk to you, even if you just shook hands once, right? Sure. That person gave you a business card. Now it's my job, right? Especially if that person's at a higher level, stay in touch with that dude and say, again, going back to specific questions, hey, coach, you got five minutes. I want to talk about this. If that's okay. Get your thoughts. Sure. And they're willing to help if you just ask. Final question. Uh, someday you might be retired as a coach a thousand years from now. When you, when you look back and you're, you know, telling your kids how awesome you were as a coach and player um, and you think about some of the players you had in the past, what is the one thing you want them to, you would like them to remember about their time with you as their coach? Just the investment of them in them. Right. I, I mean, I think sometimes players don't always appreciate what we have at home and how much time we have to spend away from home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think from my standpoint, I always love having my family around my guys. And, you know, I, I think it starts with myself, obviously, and my wife being invested in this journey and invested where we are and, you know, seeing her willing to have some players at my house, right. To barbecue, to cook. And they see how invested we are in them as people. And it's just not about this game with an oblong shaped football or ball, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's about something a little bit more. So I, I think really, if there's anything I ex players or future ex players would say, it's just my investment in them as, as people, not trying to talk at them and lecture them, just, just being around them, right. Doing, normal people things. And sure. because there's, there's a care factor, right. There always is with us as coaches. Hopefully. Yeah. No, I think, I think coaching is a ministry, whether, you know, you want to put a religious spin on it or keep it a secular spin that, that nobody's coaching for the money, you know, <laughs> the, the, oh. the, the guys who are making seven figures. I mean, they didn't start out doing it any for the money either. Um, and uh, yeah, that's the cool part about football. It's not really about football. Um, about the people you're around and um it's just a really cool fun way of helping young people become a better version of themselves and, and hopefully be happy and fulfilled after football you know it, it, being excited for when they do something great no matter what yeah. it is on the field off the field it, it's pretty for I, i'm pretty fortunate working the place i do that some of our young people do extraordinary things that some don't know about because it's not in a newspaper but mm-hmm. 
it's pretty wild what some of these guys were able to accomplish because they just decided to go and pursue it. And, you know, I think as long as we as coaches kind of give them flexibility to just have some other experience outside of football, because it's so crazy with this world, sure. they can do some awesome things. They really can. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I'd love to play for you someday if I find some eligibility and get my get my grades up a little bit. <laughs> well, hey, but I'll cut it right there. Hold on one sec. And here's the out. Thanks for listening to the Coach Cahill Show. If you found today's show inspiring or helpful, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or share the show with a friend. Reviews and ratings are what help us continually attract interesting and engaging guests like the one you heard today. Remember, referrals are the best compliment.